Okay, you guys, day 17, and I'm in Grand Rapids. I'm always broadcasting, not broadcasting, podcasting from the road, and it be making stressful, I ain't gonna lie, but I think today's gonna be short, because I got sound checks, I got rehearsals, I gotta eat, all important things, but here I am. Let's look at Isaiah 43, and I'm reading from the New Living Translation, and let's start with verse 10. Let's start with voice, verse 9. Gather the nations together, assemble the peoples of the world. Which of their idols have ever foretold such things? Foretold. This is my own edit. Not edit, but addition. God is saying, which of their idols have ever foretold freedom or victory or redemption? Which can predict what will happen tomorrow? Where are the witnesses of such prediction? Who can verify that they spoke the truth? But this is what God says. But you are my witnesses, O Israel, says the Lord. You are my servant. You have been chosen to know me, believe in me, and understand that I alone am God. There is no other God. There never has been, and there never will be. I, yes, I am the Lord, and there is no other Savior. First, I predicted your rescue, then I saved you and proclaimed it to the world. No foreign God has ever done this. You are witnesses that I am the only God, says the Lord. And this is interesting. Uh, God does this in scripture a lot. The people of Israel aren't necessarily monotheistic at this point. I think they, it, God is trying to prove to them that all other gods are nothing. So what he does is constantly put himself up against what other other nations' gods can do. Israel would always, like, um, they were always getting in trouble by God for, like, following other idols and bowing down to Baal or Ashtaroth or what, whatever. And so God would be like, them gods have never done what I've done for y'all. Look, I told y'all that you would be blessed if you did this, and then I blessed you. But I also told y'all you'd be punished if you did what I told you not to do, and then he would punish them. He's saying, like, look, no other God has ever done that. So, like, in verse 12, he says, first, I predicted your rescue, then I saved you and proclaimed it to the world. No foreign God has ever done this. You are witnesses that I am the only God, says the Lord. Verse 13, from eternity to eternity, I am God. No one can snatch anyone out of my hand. No one can undo what I have done. Let's keep going. This is what the Lord says, your Redeemer, the Holy One of Israel. For your sakes, I will send an army against Babylon, forcing the Babylonians to flee in those ships they're so proud of. Again, Israel um, in exile in Babylon. He's God is promising redemption. Verse 15, I am the Lord, your Holy One, Israel's creator and king. I am the Lord. Open the ways through the waters, making a dry path through the sea. I called forth the mighty army of Egypt with all its chariots and horses. I drew them beneath the waves and they drowned. Their lives snuffed out like a smoldering candle wick. Again, God is like, look, I'm the man. I said I would do stuff and I did it. Nobody can compare to me. Nobody, had, No other being, no other deity could ever claim to have made a dry path in the sea or drew, draw out a mighty army and annihilated them all just by the power of my presence, drawing them beneath the weight. Like, he was like, I did that on your behalf because y'all are my people. 
But then look at this, verse 15. God says, remember, he's speaking to his people in exile. God says, but forget all that. It is nothing compared to what I'm going to do. What? The whole thing about like the people of Israel and their culture is remembering what God did, remembering that God brought them out of Egypt, remembering that God brought them into the promised land, remembering that God fed them with manna and quail while they were in the wilderness. But God says, yeah, I did all that. Absolutely. But forget it now, because the way I'm about to deliver you is unlike anything that you've ever seen. Verse 19 says, for I am about to do something new. See, I have already begun. Do you not see it? I will make a pathway through the wilderness. I will create rivers in the dry wasteland. The wild animals in the field will thank me. The jackals and owls too for giving them water in the desert. Yes, I will make rivers in the dry wasteland so my chosen people can be refreshed. I have made Israel for myself and they will someday honor me before the whole world. Verses 22 through 24, God is saying, but look, I'm willing to do all this, but y'all ain't asking me for help. He says, family of Jacob, you refuse to ask my help. You've grown tired of me, Israel. You haven't brought me sheep or goats for burnt offerings. You haven't honored me with sacrifices, though I have not burdened and wearied you with requests for grain offerings and frankincense. You have not brought me fragrant calamus or pleased me with the, pleased me with the fat from sacrifices. Instead, you burdened me with your sins and wearied me with your faults. He was like, it's bad, but y'all keep keeping it on and making it worse. Just ask me and I'll deliver you. This, it's simple. And then in verse 25, he says, I, yes, I alone will blot out your sins for my own sake and will never think of them again. I, yes, I alone will blot out your sins for my own sake, even though you keep doing it. For the sake of my name, for the sake of the covenant that I established with your forefathers, I'm just going to, I'm going to raise them and I'll never, ever remember them ever again. Verse 26, let's review the situation together and you can present your case to prove your innocence. From the very beginning, your first ancestors sinned against me and all your leaders broke my laws. This is why I have disgraced your priests. I have decreed complete destruction for Jacob and shame for Israel. Chapter 44, but now listen to me, Jacob, my servant, Israel, my chosen one. The Lord who made you and helps you says, do not be afraid, O Jacob, my servant, O dear Israel, my chosen one, for I will pour out water to quench your thirst and to irrigate your parched fields. And I will pour out my spirit on your descendants and my blessing on your children. They will thrive like watered grass, like willows on a riverbank. Some will proudly claim I belong to the Lord. Others will say I am a descendant of Jacob. Some will write the Lord's name on their hands and will take the name of Israel as their own. And this is just a long list. This whole, that whole section is just reminding me of the character, the redemptive nature of God, how he longs to save his people, how he longs to bring them back to himself, but not just to like cuddle them. Like at the end in verse chapter 44, he's going to pour out his spirit on on all of Israel's descendants, and then other nations are going to come and say, I belong to the Lord. They'll take the name of Israel as their own. Like, that's us. That's We've been grafted in to the holy family of God. It was just the people of Israel, but now that's all of us. And I just love how God just says that even though you keep on sinning, for the sake of my name, for the sake of that covenant, for the sake of the promise that I made, I'm going to forgive all of them. I think that that's beautiful.
And I'm not 100% sure about how that fits in fasting, what we're discerning, but y'all are deep and spiritual. So pray about that. Isaiah 43 and 44. Father, thank you for your word. It is life and it is light. It's a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our pathway. Lord, I pray that you would um, sharpen the understanding of your people, give us discerning hearts, and um, help us to be more and more submitted to you. In Christ's name I pray. Amen.